podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Winners and losers, as you gathered, I'm not Gav, because Gav's getting everything sorted. So today I'm joined by Pete, and as you may have noticed, Andy's back. What more can you want out of life? How you doing, Andy? Oh, good. Excellent, excellent. Pete, how are you? Cannot complain. Near the complaint. Excellent, excellent. Right, so winners and losers, so I've not done this before, so you know, we'll see how it goes. So, everyone's not bad. Pete's the expert on this. So... Give you get, along with gist of we give the guys a choice. They're going to give us one winner, one loser, and then we'll have a bit of a chat around it. So, Pete, as you're the the veteran of this show, give me you're going to give me your winner or your loser. I think we should start controver- with something controversial. Um, that's something not, that that's not like you. That's not like you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've got a clear winner as I always do. Most viewers that, that tune into us, you know, with the winners and losers show, would know what I I'd normally pick different angles of. Of the of our special club, but I, I want to start with the loser, and I think the biggest loser for me this weekend was certainly not just Manchester City, but Pep Guardiola. And listen, for for the, for the multitude of re- well, for one specific reason, anybody that follows me on Twitter will know. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge football fan in general. However, and I like the showbiz element of football, like any like we all do. We like to see a good show. But, you know, I'm just sick and tired. I don't know if anybody else is. I'm sick and tired of watching. When Alvarez scores their equaliser, there's about five and a half minutes uh, of VAR time, if you will, just dead time. Now, that was more than enough time for Giuseppe Guardiola to pull Alvarez aside and do a little bit of coaching off camera. You know, everybody's looking at screens. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen. But he actually waits the five minutes until the cameras are on the goal scorer to pull him aside and show the whole bloody world how great a coach he is and gives him a little coaching session on on it was a good goal you, you've done but if you do this this and it, it's really starting to, I know our rival fans will hit back at me and say but Klopp and his hugs but that's more spontaneity it's more a genuineness of who Klopp is and it's not something that Klopp does it's something that Klopp does irrespective of whether the cameras are on or not. He doesn't care who's watching. But I just find the calculated nature of Pep's look at me and my philosophy and look at me how I'm never satisfied. And I, he chooses the moments when other coaches are celebrate, would celebrate, to show that that's not good enough in his philosophy, that he still sees something wrong, even though they've done something that should would please a mortal coach. So for me... The whole showmanship and, quite honestly, bullshit. I've just had enough of it. And listen, I live here. I live in live in Barcelona. I, you know, I, I I play with lads, and I, you know, I know lads who who are big fans of Pep Guardiola, both when he was a player, and uh, you know now as a manager. But to be honest with you, I'm just sick of the bullshit. I'm sick of the show. I'm sick to death of watching how. Pep Guardiola, the master coach, when other coaches would be ecstatic and doing hula hoops um, and jumping through, you know, jumping over each other to celebrate how he's not satisfied and he still needs to show his dissatisfaction. So for me, the big loser of the weekend for me is just the Pep Guardiola show, to be honest. Fair enough. Uh, Andy, I mean, I don't know what you thought. I, I, I did see that bit and thinking, you are being a bit of a fun sponge there. You know, let the lad have his have his moments, as actually L points out, you know, it's just comparison on Twitter because Klopp's reaction to Darwin's first goal is just joyous, you know, but striker has got his first goal, because to be fair to Alvarez, I thought Alvarez actually was really impressive, uh, probably more impressive than Haaland uh, mm. on the day, but I suppose it, I, get, I get why it winds Pete off, but that's kind of how he is, and he would probably argue results speak for itself, and 
90% yeah, of the time. Yeah, we know he lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, but 90% of the time, you know, he'll say, I've lost to Cody Shield, big deal, but I'm back-to-back lead champion and, you know, I, I get most things right, to be fair, with being this very overbearing, over-dominant over character. So how would you see it, Andy? Is it just, just, that's just the way he is or is it a bit more of a... Uh, look, I'll, be less, I'll be less wound up about it there. Um, that Pete will be. I think it is the way he is. Uh, he he craves the attention. He's kind of the opposite to to Klopp. And when we get on to my lose, our, we'll talk a little bit how the two teams are opposites as well. But um, oh, he he just likes the attention. He's he's as much as he's won there at City. He, he still feels like he's in Klopp's shadow. I think he would love to have what Liverpool have. He would love to have that connection with the fans. And look, this is his way. This is the way he acts out. It um, doesn't necessarily bother me too much. But, you know, Pete makes some very valid points there as well. Fair enough. Okay. So, Andy, what's your winner and what gives you your winner or your loser? Which one are you going to give us? Uh, okay. Well, we might as well continue giving out about City while we're at it. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Go so, down for a peak. <laughs> yeah. Now, then, we, then we'll get on to some uh, positive stuff. Look, we can talk about the insignificance of the Community Shield. You know, it's a friendly and it's for charity and, it, you know, <laughs> and it means is, nothing. But if, is it is it for charity? I don't know, yeah. is it? It yeah. used to be called well, a charity shield. It did. There's a, apparently there's a reason why it's now called the Community Shield. Because it doesn't really? help the charity. Yeah, right, uh, well, or not as much goes as people would think. That is apparently the latest I've heard about. It. That's, why it's uh, That's what I've heard. Yeah, That's what I've read, so... But um, anyway, sorry, no, we we get told that it's um that it's a friendly anyway, and look, if that's the case, why did the City fans celebrate their equaliser the way they did, like it was a cup final? And uh, why does the usual shite um come up on Twitter from opposition fans about victim, you know, the victims thing and all that trolling? Why are opposition fans so bothered? Uh, don't get me wrong, I love the way there are opposition fans um. You know, we're so torn when it comes to us. Like they admire our football, they admire and they envy our manager. They want to be us. But if it's such a, ma- a meaningless friendly, why did the city players refuse to collect their medals on the pitch? You know, mm. they know it meant something, and we know it meant something. Sunday was an opportunity to lay down a marker. You know, we did it, and and they felt it. And I think, you know, by them not collecting their medal, it just you know, it's it's just sums them up perfectly. You know, they're so entitled, it's incredible. And um, you know, Pep instills this kind of really nasty trait in them. So that's that's why they're, you know, my loser this week, because they're the opposite to us. You know, we we would have shown way more dignity, you know. Um Klopp is very specific about once you've lost the game. You go up, you feel like it, you know, you get to feel what it, like it is to lose, that you come back and bounce back a bit stronger. So I think it's, um, it just sums that club up perfectly, you know, the the lack of sportsmanship, that, I suppose, that they show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way to look at it, Pete, uh, just from this point of view, is I, I still think QT Charity it is a fairly insignificant thing. If we if you finish these on the Charity Shield, you're a bit like who gives a shit. I think it's, it means more because of who you're playing. I think if we'd have beaten Arsenal or Tottenham or in the fi- in the in the charity shield, I don't think you give a shit. And actually, if Tottenham or Arsenal had beaten City, I don't think they'd have given a shit. They probably would have collected the medals. Yeah, so I-, I wonder if it was a way of City thinking it's a way of showing defiance, going this doesn't bother us, it's meaningless. But may have had the opposite effect of going you've sort of shown your hand, going that means a lot. That means a lot actually, uh, and that hurts. Mm-hmm. And listen, there's nothing wrong with saying that hurts because the two clubs over the last five years has been not fairly much between them in most years. So it does hurt when they when they beat each other. But have they possibly just shown the hand a bit soon, a bit too soon there? Uh, listen, I think Andy's got a point. I think he's got a huge point, to be honest with you. For me, you know, I always hark back to the time in Manchester City, uh, not only the fans online or not only the fans who go to games, but the club itself launched a massive poster car- campaign to talk about formidables. Now, one of those trophies, so-called or prizes that made them the formidables was actually the Charity Shield, and it was up there printed on a poster for every, everyone to see. Now, listen, I'm in your camp. It's, uh, 
you know, it's not if, if we won the charity shield every year by virtue of the fact of not winning the trophy, like fin- finishing runners up in the league and finishing runners up in the FA Cup, I wouldn't be happy. However, you cannot have your cake and eat it if you're Manchester City or Manchester City mm-hmm. fans. And another stick that's used to beat us across the back is by Manchester United fans. I mean, we're, we're three or four trophies, I think, clear now in terms of major trophies won. But they always try to drag it around to the fact that including their charity shields, you know, they've actually got more prizes, if you will. So, again, rival fans can't have their cake and eat it. And with, with regards to the game itself, and, you know, in other countries, one of the lads in the comments made the made the, the point, and a good point, that in other countries it's a Super Cup, but it's also a key indicator this day, this stage of the season. Have you bought well? Have you brought players in mm. that are strengthening your side? And both sets, of t- both sets of players in the teams are acutely aware of what's at stake. Also, to add to the fact, there was an extra bit of edge to it. Now, listen, I don't I don't judge players, you know, by, by one game, but you, you can't ignore the Nunes versus... Uh, versus Holland thing that's been going on for a while. And to be honest with you, both players would have been acutely aware. You've seen it in Nunes' celebration, but you've also seen it in the nerves that um, Holland showed in the missing of his chances um, and his touch. I mean, he had he looked to me like, you know, Romelu Lukaku on a really, really bad day. Plus, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, I think the lad's a goal machine and he will score goals. But when you, at the end of the season, I think when we look back, it might cost the signing of him and persisting with him might, whereas he'll score a lot of goals, it might be a Harry Kane situation whereby the team might suffer. He'll score goals. He might get your threes and fours against Nottingham Forest, etc. But in the big games, when you need to hold on to the ball and, you know, that two or three lapses in concentration in the final toward holding on possession might actually cost him. So, I'm to be honest, personally, I'm glad, you know, that he's there and not with us, for example. Whereas you could see, you can see what Klopp is trying to do with Nunes, trying to make him responsible for the ball in the final toward, trying to bring him into the way we harass close people down, and he is responsible for possession. Whereas Holland looked to me to be all over the place. And to me, I know it was a charity shield game, but it looked like a competitive game to me where you could judge a couple of players. Mm-hmm. The only thing um, you would say is the intrigue for Liverpool and City is it's a while since we play with a proper number nine. It is a while. I mean, I think all the years Pep Guardiola's been a manager is it only Lewandowski where he's had a out, out number nine? Barcelona, it was Messi. I mean, he had Henri, but he played Henri as a winger. You know, City, probably Aguero. But, I mean, Aguero was, you know, not your archetypal number nine. He was a goal machine, but he was he was, he was a, a whole lot more. Klopp has played with a number nine a bit more in his Dortmund days. But, again, it was Lewandowski and things like that. So, it's just interesting. It's a little bit of a break from what people consider the norm for these two coaches. So, and it, for City, it's... I always think Pep Guardiola, if you give him the choice, he'd play with 11 midfielders. That's kind of what, that's kind of probably his, his dream. So he has given up a little bit of control, I think, not having a number nine. Now, listen, he's bought a number nine that scores goals for fun. But I do wonder how's he tactically, how they'll adapt to having one less midfielder. Because there's no way you're going to see Haaland dropping in as a 10 and linking play, which is fine because that's not his game. I don't expect to see Nunes dropping in as a 10 linking play either, to be fair. That's not really his game. They're both on the shoulder strikers, so it's quite a good thing to see. Um, Dan Jason's Latin at Barcelona and it, and it didn't work, it didn't, and he, and he binned him off. And Latin Ibrahimovic, by the way, had something like 26 goals by Christmas, or I think he had 26 goal contributions, he had at least 17. And he didn't, bu- he didn't buy into the uh, he didn't well, buy into the bar, so he didn't buy into the bar. So, the then they would Pep got him well. The thing was, at the time, Messi wanted to play through the middle. And Zlatan plays through the middle. So I think mm. Pep always was going to favour Messi. But it was interesting. Zlatan wasn't a failure at Barcelona. It was just a matter of, are we better on the ball with or without him? And I think it might... I'm not comparing Haaland to Zlatan and Ibrahimovic. It's, it's a bit of a misnomer. But it might end up being the same thing. I mean, you might look at Haaland's stats at Christmas and think, this guy's got 16 goals. And yet he's in and out of the side. I, I, you know, I, I think I, the point, you know... I'll give, his credit. I'll give him his credit. Uh, Kevin Sullivan still is of the greatest belief that the one to watch is Alvarez. Alvarez might be more of a Guardiola striker than we realise. And it seems if he if he does become what he could become, he's a bit of he's a bit of a stealer. 
16 million. You know, mm. clever find. So, Pete, who is your winner then? Let's go, let's go to some positivity. Come on, who's your winner? For me, Liverpool and Liverpool's attitude. The, the <laughs> Liverpool attitude to, to, to every single game, to be honest. I know we've touched on this, but, you know, I just, you can see what, what Klopp looks for in players. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nunes, for me, a lot of work to do. He's a kid. I, I look at him and I see a kid. Um, but you can see how hungry he is to play is and how hungry he is to get it right. Normally, for example, if a player, and I, he's already he's already gotten three or four dressing downs on the, on the pitch from the likes of Thiago for not, you know, make, making his runs right in the friendly, for example. And he stood there, you know, kind of nodding his head, no attitude, and you can see he's trying to apply those lessons to his game. And you can see it all over the park, you know, the, the aggressive running again, you know, it never stops. And I just think, I mean, I can only compare it to what Manchester United are trying to do right now. They're trying to throw 100 million quid at Anthony, who's never proved anything at any level, to be honest with you. They're trying to organise to pay 20 million quid directly to the kid, the young from Barcelona, to sort out his problems with Barcelona. Um, mm. It seems to me they're trying to, they're still trying to shoe, shoehorn individuals to, to to solve a collective problem at the club. Liverpool Football Club don't do that. They look forced at your attitude and your and what you can bring to the collective. And I just don't understand why everybody else doesn't just doesn't I don't know doesn't try to emulate that. They they don't seem to be trying. So for me, the winner again after what I've seen at the weekend is just. Again, relentless hunger, drive, attitude, you know, every, every, even a meaningless friendly. For example, we were getting beaten by uh, Red Bull um, Salzburg in a nothing friendly. And Klopp's having an argument with the referee over nothing, over nothing. But I think deliberately he might do that to kind of show the, show, show the guys, listen, just in case you forgot, everything counts. And I just think he's the master of it. The, the boys he brings in are just there in terms of being competitive. Everything matters. And I, I, I haven't seen it, not in my lifetime. Even even the great Liverpool sides that I started watching at the end of the 80s as a kid, you know, you, you always got the feeling against, for example, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, you might be Andy, but we'd go oh, one nil. <laughs> we'd go, we'd go, we'd go one nil down against the likes of Derby County, for example, when they were in no. the and it would take us an hour to wake up. Now, I know that happens the odd time now with us, but now I just find that I've never seen the Liverpool side to take everything so seriously. Everything. the tossable. And I think it's down to the likes of James Milner, bringing fellas like that in, that absolutely bleed that to other players. And that's now the standard. And I just don't understand. I don't know why Manchester United, with all the money in the world that they have, want to throw money at a kid who's digging his heels in at Barcelona over 17 million or whatever million. I don't understand. That doesn't say hunger to me. Hunger to me says what our players seem to say is, I want to play for Liverpool. And you've seen it in the charity community shield, whatever it is. You just see it. And you can't match. And the minute Klopp sees that you've lost that hunger, which Manny probably had, and none of us really cottoned on. He just wanted a new challenge. Um, and fair play to him, he deserved one. But the minute he sees it, that's it, you're out. And somebody else hungry comes in and takes your place. For me, that's what makes Liverpool and that relentless hunger for success the winner of the week. Andy, it's a combination of, I mean, Klopp's saying every, every game counts and every every result counts. Is that partly because of the fellas, the other fellas in Manchester, which... They don't give you much anyway. We've seen this now: ninety-three point season, ninety-five point season, and sometimes it it ain't enough. So it's kind of an inbuilt not fear, but a reality of you can't you can't afford a slip up anyway because City won't give you many. So you've got to held to the leather. But why the clubs don't follow it? I mean, I think City do to a point, but maybe the likes of I think is it a complacency with some other clubs because if you can we use my eyes as an example. They signed Alexis Sanchez on a free with on astronomical wages. It flopped. It didn't work. But the United can absorb that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool, we can't. We couldn't afford to sign someone for three hundred grand a week and it not work out. We don't have. I don't think we're built infrastructure wise to have that. I mean, you shouldn't be. 
But is that then because we have to be a bit more careful, a bit more careful than other clubs because we can afford some mistakes, but we can't afford many big ones? Is that just the reality of where we are, which is maybe just honed us a little bit more? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, Klopp always says that Liverpool will have to find a different way about um, competing with the big money clubs. Um, we're now in a kind of privileged position where um, because of the, the work that the owners have done off the pitch and built you know, sponsorship deals and the way they've structured the wages and incentivized everything, it's a really good match to what Klopp wants to do. And we're, we're, as I said, we're in a previous position now where we have all the ingredients for succession planning. I think anyone will be a lawyer to say that they didn't get a little bit fearful of how we're going to go about replacing the front three, how we're going to yeah. re- replace certain players. But already we're starting to see the next generation of players coming through. And I mean, my topic is going to be on Nunes and we see it with him already. He's got all the ingredients um, for Klopp to just send him on to another level. You've Harvey Elliott there, the work rate, Carvalho, the work rate out of him. Like these young players are coming into a, a team that's peaking and they know what's they know what the task is. The younger players coming up, it's like for like almost. Um, he tells the he, he tells the team when they change when they change up the um the eleven, he doesn't want to play in a different style. He wants them to do exactly what the other player did. And and I mean that's the formula. Um so but like City have really pushed Liverpool to the standards mm. that they are at. I mean, without City we probably have loads of titles. We probably have another two or three, probably more. Well we probably are breaking ninety points regularly. Well not no, exactly. Because you don't need, um, in a nice way because you don't need to. Yeah, no, you don't need to. I mean, if you look at the difference between what's what's like teams finishing twenty seven point, points behind the rest, I mean the title could be won with it with eighty points, you know, eighty two points like it used to be. Because that's the thing, so, though, you get eighty points now and it's just like yeah. oh, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. Yeah. You, you might get you might get third with that. You think Christ? Yeah. That was a title that was a title challenge like 10, yeah. 15 years ago. But that's the standards and, and look it's it's good that there's two teams battling it out, toe for toe, and I think Liverpool can always hold their head up that bit higher because we have went about it the right way. And for all the um, shit in the bed that fans do about, oh, what if Klopp goes? What if this happens? Well, look, there's nothing to worry about. He's not going. He's not going for another four years. And there's plenty of players. Salah's not going for another four years. You know, relax, enjoy it. Hold your head up and just, because I'm telling you now, you won't you won't ever see this again. Not like no. this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is unbelievable to be able to compete with all that money, you know, to be able to just go out and buy whoever they want and and uh, pay them whatever they want. Liverpool have to bring in players who are hungry, who are of a certain ilk, who are prepared to work hard for the wages. And if they win things and or if they, you know, they meet their incentives, they're gonna earn just as much. You know, so it it is really it is. It makes you really proud to, to support the club compared to them, and that that's why we see the sort of behaviour we've seen since it was supposed to be only friendly, and we see all this nasty shit coming up again online, um, from fans, you know, bringing uh, digging up the past about the club. But I mean, <laughs> it's 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 such a it's such a gulf and difference between the two clubs. Yeah, I mean, Kep brings up. To be fair to the club, they should look at doing one more signing with the severity of the ox injury. I mean, me and Kevin had this debate internally. Said I, I, I said, regardless of the ox injury, they probably should have looked at one more, only because, if I'm honest, when the chips are down, there are still certain players we know Klopp doesn't pick. Ox is one of them. Ox mm. was fit for 89 percent of the season last year. Well, when he got to the business end of the season, wasn't interested in picking him. Mm. When you probably could have done with using his legs. Um, which is probably indicative of that's where he says, which, which is why the cater thing I always think gets a, he gets a bit of an unfair, unfair stick sometimes. Going because when he's fit, Klopp always uses them and uses them a lot, so he obviously mm. does whatever Klopp wants. Now, whether we as fans agree with it is a different matter, but he, the player clearly is bought what Klopp wants. I'm not saying Ox isn't bought in, but I just feel like he's he served his time, he, he did what he could do. He's never quite got to the same level since that knee injury, yeah. which is not—it's not his fault, and it's not his fault he's injured. You know, players don't want to be injured, but you are, I am looking at a player going. I just feel like the club's accelerated to a certain level, and he he can't keep up to that, yeah. and that's what, that's not his fault. It just happens. Chris, we are we, every season, every season or after every window, it seems that we're always one player short, 
and it, it, it never it never really works out that exact way. It's always come January, we're looking for something different again, you know, because of injuries here, there, or whatever. But I would like, argue, I would argue the last two summers though, we have been. We were definitely a centre back show. I know we lost three, but, but we were a centre back show. And last summer well, we were a, we were a forward well, was, show, well, and we, we addressed were, it in ja- we addressed it in January. But if you address that forward in the summer. It's all if buts and maybe. maybe no, I think I think if you it. I think if you look at the um it with the sign and it was just purely based on the fact that Mane was gone, uh, and the and the deal could be done there and then. I don't well, think it based, was. Well, if you based on the reports, Klopp knew a year ago Mane was gone, so you could have yeah. tried to get Diaz in the summer and give him a year to bed in rather than six months. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. If, they, you, if you play devil's advocate, you know. Yeah. So I would argue most summers we go in, it feels like one night. But yeah. We're we get, we getting there and thereabouts. Oh, we do. But look, if you're if you're talking about the season that we we went in, yeah, we, it was crazy because um, didn't um, Lovren go and it left us with three senior centre backs, and we brought in a mm. midfielder and Thiago, and it, it seems strange, you know, to a lot of fans that we were definitely one centre back short, but we just like two centre backs just exploded, you know what I mean? And um, and it was a season that we were we were miles off the pace anyway, and it was it, the concern was not finishing in the top four. But I mean, yeah. that was a freak. That was a freak season. And then you go now. The, the shout is like, you know, um, we're short the midfielder. Like the get around to to um, to addressing yeah. these shortages, I, they always think, they always yeah. do. But it's not that simple. It's not a case yeah. of just going out and you know they buy the they buy the right players when at the right time at the with the right deal, right for the club. Um, but I mean, like it's it just always seems to be. Over exaggerated or overstated how much how short we are. That mid- midfield is fine. We're going to have an extra body in Elliot all season with it, with it preventing another injury. You know, and that's the, he's a mm. he's uh, a massive player for us on that right hand side. You know, the where Salah and Trent are brilliant. Mm. Like you know, more, more progressive than Henderson, but you know, it's all, it's going to be Henderson for being on Thiago most games anyway. Probably isn't going to be most games though. Let's be fair, Thiago's not the modern. 25 games for us yet so no but it, if when it comes down I mean? to he, he was four choice three or it's going to be them again yeah yeah I get, I get i get that but it's it's how often that first choice three is going to be available so then your backup is cater who to be fair last year fitness wise actually yeah did quite well then underneath that if you're being brutally honest you've got three very talented lads jones carvalho elliot three fairly talented but three three big unknowns and it's always going to a season what you know and what you hope and we're, oh. I feel, midfield, we're going with a lot of hope. Now, listen, hope can turn into me. Yeah, Klopp, these Klopp, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they know a lot more than us. We do, we do. It's less unknown to them. You do, but you've got to go. They see the numbers, like they see what they're able to produce. You know, it's, it's about the system. You know, yeah, we, but you've got, to, you've got to be fair, though, outside looking in, going, they, you, and you do trust them, and you have to trust them because, to be fair, the results speak for themselves. But you've got to also say there is a lot of hope in the, in the side, probably. More hope than we've had recently. Most times, after the last two, three seasons, you've had a lot more certainty. I know what that front three will do. I know what that midfield will do. I pretty much know what that back four will do. Mm. This year, there's probably a few more question marks. Not negative question marks, where you're going like, God, these are shite. Well, you know, it's like I'm looking at Nabil Elzar going out. Nabil Elzar turns out good this year. Fingers crossed. You know, it's not, yeah. we're not in that realm, but it's just more of a talent's great. The young player's great, but it's how consistent can you get from a young player? And look, your fingers crossed is they're really good. But I do understand the anxiety of some fans around wanting just a one more slightly experienced player. But again, who that player is. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a case of one out, one in. They're not they're not just gonna add another player to that midfield. Like no. there's prob- there's probably eight players for three positions there off the top of my head. Mm. But maybe that's what you need. Could be if annoying. you want if you, if you go Yeah. But maybe that's what you need if you want to go Deep like we did last time. I mean, how many players have we used last time to do sixty-four games? It's a hell of a yeah. lot of hell of a lot of players. So you do. We seem to manage. Okay. We seem to manage okay, and I don't think it was a, a shortage of players that really lost at first. In the end, it was just flip of a coin kind of stuff in finals. Yeah, you know, going I mean. towards the end of the season. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, I can understand the need or the the, the belief of why people like one more. If we don't sign one more, I'm not going to be sitting here crying, crying thinking that's it. League's done, season's done, not interested. It's not, I think, it's not that yeah. level. Oh, I get that, I get that. And uh, new signings are, are always lovely. It, you know, everybody likes new shiny things. And more often than not, um, they, they get revitalize. it They revitalise the yeah. squad as well, don't they? Yeah. Like, but I think, will. Yeah. I think if there was any way that we could have 
got rid of Vox and brought in a player that would have happened. It's not going to happen now. Not with that. Not with that leg. Know? Not with his leg, and not I, his leg hanging off. And I think, yeah, and I think, um, he, you know, he sees enough in Naby to persevere for another couple of seasons or another season. He, I mean, he's, is he signing an, um, an extension as well? So he's, he's moulding Naby into a different type of player. Probably not the player we expected, but I mean, he's he's definitely he's definitely got you know a, a future in the club. Yeah, I got. Uh... David Lennon's still waiting for Laurie Dalla Valley to come up, come go. God, jump around, Laurie Dalla. Didn't we sell him to Fulham? But he, yeah. he looked like the next Robbie Fowler. He was shite in there, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I mean the days. It's, it's a funny point. I've not been called that for ages. Uh, it's it's a funny point, but it's a true it's a true point. We used to just I remember remember the month we sold Luis Suarez and brought in just a bunch of lads. You know, hoping that it would come good. Those days are well and truly well, over. We but you made not. you made a good point, Pete. I mean, they look at it, United like it's it's kind of um, you know, it's like watching it's like watching us on the Rogers a little bit. Yeah, it's rudder, it's rudderless. You know, they mm. they're finding they're trying to find the answers just to make it one lucky sign and that it all you know comes together. Then, but what we have like that, we should feel really lucky. You know. They could bring a couple of players in every season. They might bring another player in in January, and you know it's they're all going to kind of just throw in behind the rest. You know, yeah, I brilliant. just think they've created the club and his team. They've created this aura in and around just getting your opportunity to sign for Liverpool, and, I, and it seems players that aren't there. See, you can see the way players are talking about Liverpool. Even the players that we're not looking at, they have a different way of. I hate using those words like twerking, but almost, you know, hinting that they would be very interested in, in you know, in working with Klopp, in being in around the club. They've created this this exclusivity about coming and being a Liverpool squad member, Liverpool that I haven't seen before. You know, it, there's no hit and miss stuff. I mean, to look at a lad like, for example. The young's agent at Manchester, you know, talking to Manchester United about he doesn't like, you know, he has problems with Barcelona. He wants to sort of, he doesn't like the state that Manchester United is in at the moment. I mean, he's there are only so many ways you can reject the club. When players are thinking and talking about Liverpool, you hear things like, "Yeah, the opportunity to work with Klopp with Klopp would be amazing." There seems to be something very special going on at Liverpool. That's why I'm super happy, man. That's and I think if you go out and splash say, two midfielders right now, it takes away from that. And, you know, the players that we've all... For example, Carvalho. Carvalho, for me, looks to be... I mean, everybody was clamoring. A lot of people were clamoring last year, you know, for Liverpool to re-sign Coutinho. Now you can see why the club was just never interested. He had already, you know, kind of registered his interest in an 18-year-old who was probably going to end up being better than Coutinho ever was. And... For me, that's very that's a deliberate thing. You know, I don't think Coutinho was ever going to, you know, be welcomed back to the club. I don't think you cross club once and get a second chance, you know, because that would again destroy the art. And I like that. Whereas I would have been one of the ones kind of thinking before Villa signed Coutinho, maybe we'll bring him back in and try and plug a gap. But that's just not the way it operates. Oh, and you, may that, that, you may have had loads of debates over that, Pete. No, and the, not, the way the way me. that the way all of that has developed, I'm really really happy about that because it now there's, it's probably going well. It's obviously going around players that listen. You know, you need to be at you know be wearing your Sunday best if you're going to get a chance to talk to Liverpool to talk to Jurgen Klopp. You need to present. You know, get your affairs in order, make sure that you're worthy of signing mm. for Liverpool. We haven't had that order. In a long, long time, if ever. Destination club now. Yeah, yeah. which is it's, it's nice to be because Christ, it used to be. I hope he used to have plays. You go like, I hope it doesn't get too good. Why? Because if he gets too good, he's got to fucking leave. Mm. That's how it, you it used to be horrible. You used to say, people say he's good, and he oh he's yeah. all right. You know, like yeah. you were trying to talk the clubs down from Bayern. Oh yeah, he's not he's not Madrid ready though, is he? He's yeah, Coutinho Coutinho was was perfect for that. And next thing, he just went on to that next level where he was adding so many goals for his game as well and he just said like the writing is on the wall now there's no stopping this yeah every free kick felt like a goal you're like oh, fuck. Yeah. so you're happy that a bit later you go oh fuck he's going to go soon isn't he I'm mm. not going to keep all of this long but now you, you, you're a bit you are a bit less worried you know but worried at all but I mean, you know even if they do leave we shouldn't be as worried no because we so far recruitment wise I mean people talk about you know there's, there's a big summer coming up with, with the front three and there's a big summer coming up with a few other players but the evolution of Liverpool, Liverpool, like Liverpool version two on the club, in the works. It's probably in the works now for about two years. 
because when you look at the slow release, you know, Jota pretty much coming integrating himself in as a regular when he's fit. Diaz has just slotted in like a glove. You know, Firmino is now is now a squad option. It's just mm. I don't mean disparagingly, but he is a squad option now. Yeah. You know, Matip has forced himself back into being a starter, but he knows he's got a, a young Canati. You know, Joe Gomez two years ago was our first choice centre centre back partner with Van Dyke. Now it's like, well, he might get in the game at right back. Which yeah. is nice. It, it, we get it, a lot of positions. It's a nice place to be where you are looking, going, "This is all right, isn't it?" You know, yeah. we all get to that point where a lot of first teamers are, are slowly becoming squad players. I do think, you know, long term, that's where Henson will become. Henson will be the new Milner. Yeah, and I think he's. I think he knows that already. When I, I just think how quickly he's moved to that new Milner. I think is not as quick as some some of mm. our fan base would probably like, and I think that's really going to upset them. Look, eventually, eventually they're going to be right. Seven years later, um, he will be second fiddle in our midfield. But right now, he still stands there as um, one of the first choice picks, and he never lets us down. You know, um, if you look at uh, when Pep talks about the team, I, I mean, our Pep, and um, he just talks about how players like Henderson can maintain that intensity that's required, and he just understands. And Liverpool just don't tick the same without these players that are have the ability to do that. Um and if we're replacing uh, players they need to they need to be able to do the same. And I think it's important that you hang on to players like Milner and Firmino as long as possible because that's part of the succession planning because you know these are these are leaders. These have seen it, done it, um, and they can help players coming through. I mean Carvalho's gonna need help, you know, and players like um Firmino be excellent. You know, I know they're not the same position, but but it's just the attitude and settling in um, to the team and he's going to have to play a different game. And already you can see how deep Carvalho goes back to pick up the ball and carries it. Like, it's excellent. Yeah, as Dazza says, nobody's saying they want to live in London these days, which is true. That, which used to, do you remember that? That used to be the, the big bug. Nobody wants to Every, live up everybody, everybody knows London's a shithole now, that's why. <laughs> it's fluff, uh, Having been there, we'll talk about that when they yesterday. It's fucking hot, though. Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's too hot. No, it's too hot. Think, it's, too, yeah, think, it's too hot for a northern lad. Don't go down south. It's far too hot. I think the Salah situation kind of, you know, put everything to bed. Every, I mean, Mohamed Salah could have went and played for anybody in the world. Anybody in the world. No matter what anyone said. And he, he, he could see that he all he wanted was to get his good his negotiation done with Liverpool and stay at Liverpool. Because Salah knows that if he wants to continue being the top-rated player on the planet, that he needs to do that at Liverpool. Simple. Yeah. Look, it's, he only ever wanted to stay at Liverpool. There was no other destination for a player like him. A player with the hunger, you know, with his attitude, there was only one place. But he wanted he, he wanted the deal. He wanted a big deal. And look, that's it catches you in the back of the throat a little bit. You don't really want your players trying to milk the club. But, I mean, we can look at it now and say they came to an agreement. He, the club value him as much as he values himself and as much as we all value him as a player. Um, but uh, look, there was no question about it. He always just wanted to stay there. Mm. Uh, and also, Peplin's book's out next week. Which I'll be honest, yeah. I think that'd be, an, that'd be an interesting read, though. Yeah, he yeah. seems bright. Seems bright. He's interested yeah. to see what he has to say. Hope he doesn't he say just, too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, I heard him talking about it. You know, you could you could sit there, listen to him talking all day long. Um, be interesting to see how that translates into a book. Um, because it is it is his charisma, and the, and the way he talks about football, and the way he talks about what they're trying to do, it's it's fascinating. Cool. So, Andy, let's go on to your who's your winner. Uh, my my um winner is uh, Darwin Gabriel Nunes Roberto, <laughs> uh, Liverpool's new. <laughs> never never heard of him. <laughs> um yeah, look, I got a bit concerned. Uh, like everyone else when I seen him, you know, with people getting on his case so quickly, not because I didn't believe him, just because how that would impact him personally. Um, you know, the comparisons with Haaland. I'm hearing myself back there. What's going on there? You hear me twice. I think that's what I said, yeah. Somebody's phone's quite close, close by as well. Probably the power of Nunes, you know, amplifying your voice. <laughs> it's my phone anyway. Um, look, the comparisons being made with Haaland, like City bringing in their top, 
big striker and us bringing in ours. Uh, Benfica fans had a bit to say about not being as good as we rated them. Our own fans getting stuck in after the uh, the training clips and he missing a few chances and then oh, yeah. and then in his first game. But then look bang, uh, he got his four goals in that game. Uh, then he comes up against Haaland and all the talk is is. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the big men are coming for Andy. Shit. Oh, that that joke's never gonna end, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Like, they've been up to their goal tricks again, I can tell you. Anyway, um look, he, he comes back, uh, he comes on off the bench and he you know he answers that call perfectly. That's very annoying. Whose phone is that? That's Pete, isn't it? it that's is Pete. Fucking... No, that's like, yeah, He's very shifty. <laughs> very shifty. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> <laughs> pet next um, now. I thought he said. Um, look, he might be a bit different um, to what we've had before, you know. But in saying that, I I don't actually think we know exactly what we have just yet. You know, his um his physical appearances work right. You know, I think he's very imposing. Um, he's all the ingredients for uh, for Klopp and staff to like to launch him onto all new levels, like to make him proper world class. I think anyway, um, he strikes me as the type he'll really reward you, um, with the belief and encouragement. And as we all know, Klopp's camp are the masses of motivation and 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 get getting the best out of players. So that's why I think Nunes is um my winner this week. I think uh, he's had to answer critics very early in his career. I think it's nonsense, you know. Um, they've tried to even make him out to be more expensive than we actually paid. Like, like you know, opposition fans, even our own fans, have been up to all sorts of tricks to to unsettle him. But uh, he's brilliant. He's going to suit the league so well. He's going to suit us so well, and he looks hungry. And you know, to score uh, a goal in the last couple of minutes in such a meaningless game, and he ran off celebrating like he did, and he seemed to enjoy himself picking up his. Uh, community shield medal as well so I love that um, I think he's yeah early days but I, I think he's going to excite us a lot yeah Pete I mean just, just like Friday nights Kev is always stealing my points and claiming the zone wait, wait for that next Friday eh, Kev uh, but Kev makes a good point it's, it's the runs he makes his willingness to be on the shoulder he lives between the lines of the penalty box and he's rapid Um which I think for those who haven't seen Nunes look I, I confess I think I'd seen Nunes play about four games before we signed him Two of them were against us. Um, you do th- you do have the worries of. I hope it's not an Andy Carroll where we're just going to launch it all the time, which we do occasionally. He does. I mean, to be fair, he's that big. You've got to try it at some point, a <laughs> big fella. But I like the fact that he's he's the opposite to Bobby. Bobby likes as a as a nine drops deep to link play for the two wide players. He's like, no, I'm the focal point through the middle. I'll be between the sticks. And look, he's not as clinical as probably yet as people would like. But a, it's friendlies and B, he's still young, you know, players will miss chances, but I like the fact he's getting himself into positions where going, it just makes, it gives us a different option. But I also think, while yes, it is a meaningless friendly, City and Liverpool weren't playing it that way. And to play that well against City for half an hour, you know, that does give you, probably gives me more confidence in a player than doing well against RB Leipzig. Because to be honest, I'm dupes of German football anyway, because we always think German football is really great, and then we see in Europe they all get spanked. So you're thinking it's maybe not as great as we think it is. But doing that to City does sort of make you think, all oh, right, okay, you know that 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 does make you take notice a bit more of a player. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. To be honest with you, I always look for one thing: if a fella is not, as I said before, if a fella is not scoring goals, how is he affecting the game? I mean, and you, the direct comparison was there the, the game the weekend when Holland is not scoring. He just looks a little bit, you know, like it's getting to him, getting to him, and the, and the touches aren't there. So if, if you know you're not having a great day, day in front of the goal, get your back to it. Use that big body of yours, hold it up, and bring other people into the game and try and make things happen that way. He looks like the sort of fella that is not only willing to do that, but he's well capable of doing that. He's big, strong. Here, I didn't know he was as quick as when I saw him getting away from Diaz for the chance that, in fairness, the goalkeeper did very, very well. But he's lightning fast. Lightning for a fella that's that big. He moves so kind of nullifies that whole idea. Oh, are we going to go long? Are we going to go there? And listen, we don't, we're not averse to going long in the right situation. It's With no. Liverpool, it's the right ball at the right time. If you look at the, probably for me, the best goal we've scored in years was that the, the night we were beating 
at Manchester City, by Manchester City. There was short balls, long balls, inside mm. balls, also all sorts of, until the but, right ball. The long passes, the long passes, though, people. Exactly. They're not long, so they're me, not long searching me, balls. For me, it's it, are you do you have the capability to deal to deal with what comes? And he seems to, you know, he's he has a bit of Cavani in him. He, you know, he has a bit of pace. He has a bit of, he hasn't got anything that, you know, for me that I've seen. I'd like to see a little bit more. It's a bit hard expecting a 22 year old young player to to dominate in those kind of grey areas between lines, but he will learn that from playing with us. But certainly he's got all the raw attributes that you would want to have a forward thinking player. And he can, he, you know, he run the channels for you and he understands how to interchange positions, which is going to be very important when you're you know, playing with the likes of Mohamed Salah and, and Diaz. So no, he's he's more than a handful. This is a deliberate, a deliberate sign. And whereas again, I think Haaland, Manchester City will have to get the ball into the box early, which is not something that they do. You know, in order for him to be effective, you know, you want to disrupt people, to disrupt defenders before they can get set, where City's game is about moving people around. I just, barring the, the big goal, the goals he's going to score against the little sides, you know, I can't see him having huge, a huge effect, you know, against the likes of us or big games in the Champions League. I stand to be corrected. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. So I wasn't actually told to do any wins or losers, but you know, obviously I'm going to do my own anyway because you know I do my normal thing. And to be fair, Bonkers already brought it up, so I'll bring it up. I've got a winner and a loser. My winner is not the England wins; it is the Euros. Uh, as people know, I'm a big advocate of women's football. Yeah, you know, I've been going Liverpool women for about six years, so I was looking to be at the final yesterday. That was a, one of the best days out I've had in ages. It was dead fun, and it's it's not the typical. England brigade that we all we all know we all dislike with the men's team. It was a proper family atmosphere, no segregation. German fans, England fans, Swedish fans all sat together, and it was just general laugh. But also, the big thing that I, and I'm guilty of this to say it's a great atmosphere. And if that, it was a really good game of football. Germany were brilliant, very unlucky to lose two one. England played very well, and it's now starting to get to a point now. You're going like the losers are tied into this. Is and I see them all the time. The dickheads go, nobody cares. Well, just to be clear now, after that final, that is a euro record for attendance, which is 87,100, whether you're a man or a woman. So when England men got to the Euros final, it's Italy, it didn't get to 87,100. Phenomenal. To say no no one gives a shit about it, well, more went to that than the men's final. So admittedly, probably more went to the men's final by smashing gates through and all that, but we'll talk Mm. about that less. But it's just more of a thing I'm going to bring up because, you know, um, it's a thing I've never done with my daughter. It's something I never thought I'd do. It took us to be do- took my daughter. And it was a great atmosphere. It was just a great feeling. And I'm starting, it's that sort of, you know, Pete, you're a big talk of this, you know, the equality of the most shocking thing I've heard, I think Ian Wright came out of it was the aim is in the next, probably the next three years in England that for 75% of schools, girls will be offered football in PE. Which, bath, which blew my head because I thought it was standard that everyone was offered mm. the chance to play football. What do you call Not because every person's going to be a Rizzo or a Ellen Toon or a Chloe Kelly, but just the opportunity to play. There'll be a natural, there'll be a natural back, back, not backlash, but there'll be a natural uptake of football anyway amongst so. young girls after that. I mean, those girls are now heroes and role models in that country. Um, I mean, to be honest, what shocked me. Chris more than anything was the quality and um, the pace as well was a little bit better. Some of the deliberate quality playing out from the back, you know, fella, uh, girls getting the ball with, you know, with the back to, you know, to the opposition and, you know, having the, 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 the awareness to, to where to turn little things that I don't see in the, the women's game. Some of the finishing, the deliberate finish. I mean, the England's force got last night was as good as anything you'd see in the Premier League. Mm. I mean, the, the yeah. ball bounced up on her a little bit and she had to, Take the sting out of it at full pace and lift it over a non-Russian keeper. That is not easy for anybody. So the little things that you would look for, you know, listen, I'm a nitpicker. You know, sometimes I'd like to see more power in the air. I'd like to see a little bit more. But we're different physiologically, you know, and you, and you have to accept that. But I have to say the technical quality, moving the ball from back to, to, to forward, uh, the comfort on the ball, especially at the back, moving it out from the back and the movement across the front 
you know, from from what is now a standard front three, both with England and Germany. I was very, very impressed. And some of the earlier rounds as well. So, I mean, there was a couple of pacings there. Seven. I was surprised Norway got done 8 nil. But So are we. I think everyone was that surprised. Happened. That, that happened. However... That, put it this way. That's equivalent to City going to Spurs yeah. and doing Spurs 8 yeah. nil, And you go like, fucking hell, where's that come from? It was well, one, it, a very rare... Result. Yeah, no, but I will say one thing: the Germans lost their their best player in the warm up. They did, and, it, and that had a big a big effect on them. To be honest, yeah, she's a she's a player who's been injured on and off now for about two years. Uh, so she basically she would have missed the Euros if it wasn't for COVID, and it got yeah. delayed. Yeah, so she got six goals, you know, on course of record goal scorer, and unfortunately uh, pulled up in warm up, which is and I, look, yeah. an, if, if you're an England fan, thank Christ because she's really good. Yeah. No, she's but, probably the best one of the best players in the world. But as a personality, but as a personality in the showcase, you're a bit like it is a bit shit watching one of the best yeah. players miss out on the warm up. Yeah, we like we saw with Thiago for the uh, League <coughs> Cup final. You were like, it's a bit shit. He's lost it in the, in that point. Yeah. So the other the other point is going to make Chris. I found myself looking at the games and criticizing the women fairly. For example, the 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 equaliser that England conceded yesterday. Normally, if I'd have been watching a women's game six or seven years ago, I wouldn't have criticised the defender for getting caught out of the front post and kind of mm. freezing a little bit. And whatever she did, she put her hands down at close quarters. I was like, what are you doing? In order to do that, you have to be looking at the games thinking she's capable of defending better. Therefore, I'm going to criticise her. And that's what I was most kind of impressed with yesterday. She shouldn't have been doing that the near post to defender, But... The, mm. the finish from the German striker. She had she, that much to aim at between the, the goalkeeper and the post. She had the post like a she had the, she had the post too. Uh, to be fair, the keeper tipped it onto the post. But you know, yeah. there was uh, I think the girl, uh, the, the lady is um, Williamson, the captain, who mm. is yeah. Leah uh, Williams. What I understand from Arsenal fans, she's a DM and a mm. centre back. She's mm. a bit of a bit, probably Javier Martinez. You know, yeah. basically well, she fell asleep. She fell asleep. Yeah, and to be fair to her, it's probably one of the few times she made a mistake, but you react, they, they reacted to it, and they reacted to it quite well, because to be fair, I would say, you know, Germany deserved the equaliser. England probably deserved it overall, but it was it was a tight game where if Germany won it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go like, oh, it's a smash and grab. you go like, both sides were really good. Uh, Project M saying women's game needs to be more, needs to be accessible for everybody again, and now the money's in the sport. Yeah, I mean, the good thing with the WSL is... Uh, which is a good thing the Liverpool women are now in it, is a lot of the games now are going to be shown on BBC, BBC iPlayer, Sky, Sky took some, but every game is also on a, an FA Player app, which is free. So the accessibility is there. It's actually easier, it, in, a, in a weird way, it's actually easier to find a live women's game now than it probably is to find a, to honest, they need to find a live men's game. Some of the live men's games, are, there are ways to find them, but obviously mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into them. But you know, do you know what I mean? So... <laughs> And Kev talks about it because Kev knows about the ability to shit out the last seven minutes. Yeah, I must admit that was the best seven minutes. But Pete, you're right. It, it's when you're criticising the player, it's not you're not criticising because it, it used to be play, talk down to like like because it's a woman. It, it's exactly. I'm criticising because that's how I criticise a bloke. And I'll be open about. It. Listen, we all have what you, our what you get, what you get beaten there for. Don't Andy will back me up on that. We all have our biases. You know, let, yeah, let's course, be yeah. honest. You look at it and go, oh. But I was looking at it going, she should do better there. Because early in the mm. tournament, I've seen defenders do better there. You know, mm. it's, it's a blind spot for men's defense. I mean, Harry Maguire, for example, falls asleep. She's not that bad. In, you know, in, in those situations. So, And he's paid God knows how much. However, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I found myself fairly criticised. And when you're fairly criticising someone, regardless of their sex, that's that's when you know something it's going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it only women were allowed to play football again in the nineteen seventies. It's actually, in terms of sport, it's actually a young sport. It's like fifty mm. years old, which yeah. is which is not talked about enough. And the, uh, the authorities, the FA, and that get away with a lot. You know, there's a, you know, banning agenda from playing football, and you know, it's only been professional a very short period of time. You know, there's a lot of questions to be asked there. You know, kept that 1971 before women could play football again, which yeah, is a mad. It's a, it's a mental crazy, thing right? that because you're a woman, you can't play football. I, I find that bizarre. But I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I've Pete knows this, and I've said this in many a podcast. My favorite game, one of my favorite games last season was Liverpool women winning promotion against Bristol, which I went to, and that was the biggest emotional rollercoaster. And I'll be honest, you should have had a fan cam on me just watching me 
lose me shit and get really get really upset when it was like when we're four two up with like a minute to go and I'm still thinking shit we might we, we might not get promoted today and, you know <laughs> the mental the mental thing it was the equivalent I could put of um Liverpool go for top four and you're going fucking hell they mess you like a four nil up and you're still panicking they might lose it so but that's it yeah. so that's my winners that's my winner and the losers is the dinosaurs that still live in the world which. If it's not for you, it's not for you, and I'm I'm pretty open with that. If you don't like women's football, you don't like women's football. You don't, you don't have to be a twat about it. That's my yeah. thing. You don't have to be a bellend about it. If you don't watch, if you don't like it, don't watch it. But well, that was you don't, you don't have to belittle it. That's the bit yeah. I can't be asked with. That was going to be my point, really, about the whole thing is um, what what this does to expose certain people. You know, mm. um, we're we're a society now um, where we challenge our thoughts you know a lot more than we used to uh whether that's on race religion um gender um and i just love to see people who are just neanderthals get um get found out you know for holding these um uh, generalizations it's 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 only it can only be a good thing as well for english football um I, I didn't find myself uh, normally being up for the team that are playing against England. I actually wanted England to win uh, because I think it's just it's just going to be a general good thing for uh, for your country. Um, so like, I mean, it's it's brilliant. I, I didn't even realize that that was that was ninety almost ninety thousand there. That's brilliant because the criticism was always that sponsors wouldn't put money into it because they didn't have the same interest. But now it goes to prove that. Maybe big corporations should get their finger out our arse and um and start investing and sponsoring women's sport as well and and make these ladies who are clearly very talented and uh, make them better paid and and make it an attractive career for young girls and it's mad there like that like that there's people in schools that aren't even allowed to play we have we've similar carry on here with the with the Gaelic football and with rugby and certain sports not being allowed in certain schools. And again, it just goes back to challenging the thoughts and and, and uh, the rules of, of people that have went before you. But yeah, the atmosphere actually was brilliant. You're talking about people being all together from different, you know, uh, the German fans were with the England fans. Yeah. 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 I actually, a lot of people could buy tickets quite far. So like me, I bought a ticket oh, three, four months for the tournament. Just mm. more to go to a final. I didn't actually... Yeah. The old thing they get there, yeah. and I think a lot did that. So when you had your ticket allocated, so we had a German, a German lady who was about I was telling people about three, three rows in front of the, the angle. And when Germany equalised, she was sat very because she's surrounded by England fans, sat quite quietly. And they all knew she was German. And they all said, "Go on, you know you want to." She just jumped up, went, "You know, come on, Germany." Obviously, yeah, Deutschland, yeah. Deutschland, and we all cheered. Like, yeah, quite yeah, funny, yeah. but it's like yeah. it's still that like, you could be disappointed that you that you've equalised, but you, you know. Again, it was more like you still have a laugh about it because football, football yeah. is supposed to be fun. No, it was a it was a really good um, family type of atmosphere, and we're very used to that here in Ireland with the with the Gaelic football. Um, you go to Crow Park for a ladies' final or a men's final, and uh, you're sitting next to your opposition. There's no hassle. Kids are there, and you know I've been at a few away games over the years, and it's only when you have kids you start to question. Is this the right environment? Like, there's absolutely no chance I'd bring my lad to Paris for a for a Champions League final. I was, you know, mm. it's but you bring him to Crow Park, no problem. You know, it's a much more accessible, safe environment for your kids, um, or any, or you know, our bunches of kids going or whatever. And you could hear it in the crowds. There was a lot more kids, you know, and yeah. and we and one of the biggest complaints at the moment is about our our own ticketing system in Liverpool is it's not accessible for young kids, mates, mm. you know what I mean? Which is, which is what sport is about. It's about bringing um, the youth and the communities together, our friends together, but it's gone so corporate now. And the tribalism is at a all time peak, you know, that it's, it's become a little bit dangerous for, um, for the younger fan to go to. So I think they could learn a lot from the women's game um, in terms of the uh, family atmosphere. There's also a myth that, uh, and it, look, I can also for the people that are around me, the myth always was, you only see blokes like me go to women's football because I've got, because I've got a daughter. I'm taking my daughter. Now, maybe that's how I got into watching women's football properly. Took my daughter. There was loads of like gang lads who just came, young and old, 
definitely no kids. Definitely, and definitely there for a day or so at the footy. Mm. Nothing, nothing nasty. Nothing, you know. They were just there to support the footy. And mm. uh, so again, it, it dispels that bollocks. Of, it's only women that go to the women's football, and it's only dads with the daughters that go for. But there's loads of those are young lads there uh, mm. with the families, and also young lads just on. I, I've got tickets to a final. I'm going to watch the final. So again. <laughs> This sort of stereotypical yeah. bollocks is there. Yeah. Uh, all points out, you know, say hello to Alan Sugar, who got owned by Ian Wright, who is possibly one of my favourite pundits and would quite happily like go for a pint with Ian Wright or get him on for a podcast. I think we'd have, we'd have a laugh we'd have a laugh with Ian Wright on a podcast, to be fair. Yeah, I mean he always comes across as humble. I mean, I love the, the ones where he's talking about himself and his story is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It is, it is. It's a very unusual it's a it's probably a story. It, he's a probably the closest today is probably Jamie Vardy. As in, no, I, I don't no, think Jamie Vardy. As, it, as in, well, he went, he went pro at twenty. Was he twenty three? Twenty two. I mean, Jamie Vardy but left the league for one million. You know, yeah. Ian Roy, Ian Roy but, was playing Sunday football when he was training at Crystal Palace, and after being yeah. rejected by every single other London club. But I mean, Vardy's the closest. Oh, he's the closest. Not yet. I mean, Vardy's probably the closest because he yeah. went from like non-league up. But yeah, I mean, but he is still, um, you know, uh, do you remember that? Have you seen the film Any Given Sunday? Which yeah, United. Yeah, that's that's a similar that's a similar story story. It's a, it's a yeah. story, but it's a, again, lad playing Sunday League football ends up playing for Sheffield United. I just think they broke the mold and they made Ian Wright. Ian Wright's one of those lads. You know, I always I love street fo- footballers. The last of the great street footballers for me was Robbie Keane. You know, lad that the lad that played football on the streets of Jobstown, Feather Cairn, and brought that style of play onto a football pitch. Ian Wright done that. Ian Wright brought Hackney marches into into Highbury. And nearly scored two hundred goals and a load of goals for England doing it. For me, the only the only the only thing I, I regret about Ian Wright is that he never played for Liverpool. He he, he for me mm. personifies what it would be like as a fan to play at the highest level of football. He absolutely loved it, loved it, and he still loves it. It's you know it's 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 the it's one of those things that makes you love football even more. Watching him play and listen to him speak about both his his own life. And his experiences in the game. For me, Jamie Vardy is a spot. I mean, look at his wife getting taken for three million the other day because you can't keep her mouth shut about something. <laughs> that all them people are rubbish. For I, me, I, 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 met, I met the football. I, I met the football context. Yeah, but I know what you mean. No, no, but do you know what I mean? Ian Wright's the last of the true normal lads from the pub that made it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, the biggest hype we've got at the moment is there's a lot playing for Tranmere. I think who's done a similar thing. Who's was Sunday League two years ago, and he's now. For, he's playing uh, pro football for Tram- for Tramway, but I mean that's League Two. This is a guy who went yeah. from Sunday League to Premier League. Mm. You know, and um, was scoring FA Cup finals. It's a it's a hell of a story. I and mean, then obviously, then his post his post career is even better because he's you know he's he's a great pundit. He's a very good advocate of women's football. He's a very good advocate for people's rights in general. You know, so he's it's a, a good bloke. He's a good yeah. human. I mean, have a look. There's a there's a clip on YouTube if you get a chance to look at it. Of him, uh, they surprised oh, him. I think he was still playing time with his, his school teacher, and he bursts into tears because this man is alive. You can't fake that. You can't fake what Ian Roy is. A lot of people fake. You know, I'm I'm a man of the people. I'm humble. You know, I throw five hundred pound at this guy. But Ian Roy bursts in, and he turns into a child. He takes his hat off. All the body language stuff because he's genuinely emotional that that man is both alive and there. It's in rights, they, they broke the mould and they made guys like him. Mm. Cool. I mean, look, there will be more women's stuff in, um, this season. You know, I'll, hopefully going to try and get Neil Axon again back on the women's show with Philippa Smallwood. And, but I'm, hope, I'm hopeful. Obviously, I mean, to be honest, she's probably still celebrating, which is Emma Sanders from the BBC. She's probably still celebrating this. But we'll try and get her on for a, a special, special part just to talk about the experience of the Euros, but also from a... A reporter's point of view, because Emma's followed women's football for a long time, reported on the women's football for a long time. And if you have, if you don't follow Emma Sanders, follow her. Uh, she's done a Twitter thread, talk about her BBC career. And it shows that she's interviewed majority of that squad. And some of them was like when they broke into Bristol four or five years ago, or when they were just come back from an ACL injury where people didn't know who they were. You know, she, so it's quite it's quite a nice thing for Emma because obviously she's built a BBC career. And a lot of these players, she's got to... Do interviews with so it's it's a nice it's also a quite a nice story also it's nice to have a different point of view from it. Well, listen, lads, before we go, anything else you want to add, Andy? Anything else? No, all good. Been enjoyable. Good, good. Are you going to come back on, Andy, or is that is that you done for the is that you done for the season? 
Yeah, that's it. I'm done now. <laughs> that's it. You're done. One, <laughs> one show. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. And Pete, good. Always good to talk to you, mate. Yeah, thanks, man. Just a huge shout out to everybody in the comments. You know, they don't think that we don't see them and that we don't want to mention them all. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. You know, it's always a lot of the same faces, but a lot of really great points there. So big shout out to everyone and thanks a million. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, except for Amber Cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's a friend of cheese. Yeah, fair enough. I've met Steve because he just doesn't like me. So, you know, he's probably got a point of her. Uh, Joe, before we go, um, I keep, I uh, forgot, uh, Bobby's Wish to Walk, uh, our, cha- our charity. You know, I think he's doing really well, getting really close to his target. But links in the description below, all the details are there. Come on, guys. You know, I know we actually do this a lot, but, you know, we do it really well. So give what you can. If you can't give, just. Share it on social media, put it in your WhatsApp groups. You know, let's get another lad uh, to America and get him some uh, life change treatments so that I can walk, walk again. Yeah, I actually, I, I met um, Sienna there for the first time since she's had her, her um, procedure over in America. And to mm. see, um, you know, in real life, the difference that that's made to that girl, um, it's incredible. So get behind it. Um, it's it's literally just changed her life completely. Uh, she's walking away there, um, doing more and more things all the time. And I see her little smiley face. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, she's a trooper. And yeah, let's make it happen again for another kid. Cool. Very, we'll leave that on that happy note. So let's guys just keep an eye on socials. Uh, there's pretty much a show every day this week, I'm sure. And Gab's, as always, working hard working hard so keep an eye out and we'll have loads more to come until then guys take care of yourselves speak to you soon sports social podcast network